UK Motor Talk at the Goodwood Festival of Speed 2021. Well, here we are again. Day one of the Festival of Speed. Well, it's day one for me. I'm here Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And what's that strange noise in the background? Just listen for a second. That's people, thousands of people, enjoying themselves in the sunshine. Sitting, some enjoying the motorsport, some just enjoying the fact that they can sit down, talk to their friends, have a glass of beer, listen to some music. Talking once more to David Richards. David, you've been here, well, I think even more years than I have, and I've been here all of them. But you've done just about everything in motorsport, and I noticed the Pro Drive jacket on today. You're still involved in everything, just about everywhere, and and pretty much the boss of everything, certainly in the UK. Well, it's been a you know it's been a, a long and interesting time that I've spent in motorsport. I have to admit, but the, this weekend at Goodwood's quite special because we've got everything from the original car that Ari and I won the World Rally Championship, the Escort, in, right through to our current Dakar car and some of our cars in between. So it's um, in fact I'm just seeing one of them arrive now. I think so. It's um, no, we've uh, we've got a good array and the sun's out today, so can't be bad, can it? I mean, it's, it's like. You know, we, we, we come here because we can watch the whole of motorsport history go past us. This is your motorsport history. Well, there's a lot of it here this weekend, and it's, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, you look back and you reflect on these. But the most fun thing is to meet all your old friends here at the at weekends like Goodwood, and uh, and it's just a, an atmosphere full of um, enthusiasts as well. The great thing about these, these are real proper enthusiasts at Goodwood. The people that really are interested, the people that care about motor racing, and uh, it's good to be able to put something back. Well, that, that seems to apply also to the to the drivers and the, the crews that are here. They're here because they want to be here, because it's 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 not just how they earn their living; it's how they live their lives. Yes, and it's uh, I think you see all the drivers here. They're they're the ones that sort of enjoy being part of it and and recognise the importance of the enthusiasts and the fans that come to places like Goodwood. Well, we are now with Roger Penske, honoured guest at this weekend's uh, Festival of Speed. I think you've been asked to be here many times, you've never been able to make it. Well, I think the uh, conflict is our race schedule in the U.S. always we're racing this weekend, but I finally said to the Duke of Richmond, I'm going to be here, and we brought a group of our cars here that goes all the way back to our John Watson Formula One car, and Mark Donahue, and then of course the Spider which we won Sebring. Well, I get the chance to drive it up. I've never been up the hill, so it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, it, it is exciting, and I've driven up the hill alongside a number of top racing drivers over the years. It is it is daunting, but you'll enjoy it. But uh, you've bought so many cars here because you've been involved in motorsport such a long time, and, and it's just about every genre of motorsport, European and American. Yes, we've been fortunate uh, with the team. Uh, you know, 50 years, you can do a lot. In fact, we. We won our race last weekend, five decades from the first race we won in Pocono 500 with an Indy car, so that gave us a good launch to come here to Goodwood. 
Well, I've seen some uh, Mustangs over my long career in motorsport. I've seen some extraordinary Mustangs, but I don't think I've seen one more extraordinary than this. My name is Casper uh, Vanderschut. I'm with uh, RTR Vehicles, and uh, we developed this this uh, vehicle, the uh, the Mustang Mark E 1400, in collaboration with uh, Ford Performance. This is a one-off uh, uh, vehicle. It's a uh, obviously it's a, a new member to the uh, to the Mustang family. High performance demonstration vehicle, as well as a um, uh, an R&D test bed that's used for uh, for electric uh, propulsion with an eye on future applications in in, uh, in motorsports. So it, it is heading for, I mean, it's, it, it clearly is all prepared to go race, and that is what it's going to do eventually. Um, there's a possibility of that. Uh, for now, we're just learning about uh, electric propulsion in motorsports uh, applications, and it's, it's designed to uh, perform in different disciplines. So first and for, foremost, it's designed as a drift car, Yes, okay. and that's what we'll be doing this morning. We're, okay. So we're currently in a drift uh, configuration. Um, but it's also a track car, and we can take it to the drag strip as well. Well, that's where I've seen some pretty extraordinary Mustangs over the years. Yes, yeah, certainly. So this car will do under 10 seconds on a quarter mile. Acceleration is uh, uh, 0 to 60 miles an hour in less than 3 seconds. But most, most of all, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's meant to be experienced by different people. And so we have different drivers experiencing the car. We also have three seats in the car that um, uh, will allow us to take passengers along and experience the excitement of uh, electric uh, vehicles. Well, I've driven quite a number of electric vehicles. They are now becoming more and more extraordinary. Well, this, this, uh, this vehicle produces uh, 1,400 horsepower, um, seven motors in total, three in the front axle and four on the rear. Uh, which we can, um, you know, we can change the configuration to front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, or all-wheel drive. Um, for drifting, um, we change also change the steering geometry. So we pull the front half shafts, which will allow for um, a greater steering angle, which is really beneficial for for drifting. Uh, so we can we can achieve uh, 60 degrees uh, steering angle in this in this particular configuration where all the drive is going to the rear wheels. Has, has the car been up the hill yesterday? Yes, Richard Westbrook uh, drove the car. Yes. We did a, uh, um, a modest time, 54 and a bit. But an exploratory time. Yes, yes, it was the first, first outing. and uh, So there's more to come. We expect to be able to, to break into the 40s, um, you know, once the track rubbers in and, uh, and the driver gets fully up to speed. You know the track... Uh, record is now held by an electric car yes yes certainly and we won't be uh, we won't be getting anywhere uh, near those times you know that's going to be another 10 seconds uh, quicker than uh, than this car will go uh, but then again you know the, the 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 vehicle that holds the record wasn't designed to do drifting and track racing and uh, it, it was designed to do exactly what it did here yeah and it took three articles of battery equipment right. and chargers and cooling right. kit to do it, yes. so it was it was a it was a one-off. Understood, understood. Well, I'm in uh, the paddock in the collecting area, watching the F1 cars go past, with a gentleman who certainly is a legend if you're a rallying fan, Sebastian Loeb, um, multiple world champion. But you're not here in a rally car today. You're in something slightly different. 
Yes, something slightly different, uh, a bit bigger and a bit uh, heavier. It's the, the car for uh, the Dakar Rally, uh, so it's not especially done for this kind of, of roads, but uh, it's a great car. Uh, I, I enjoyed the Dakar this year with, with the car. Uh, it was the first year with uh, ProDrive and with, the, with this one, so we have some adjustment to do, but uh, I think we, the team is doing a great job to prepare next year. I, I, I think a lot of people expected, I, I mean, you said at one stage you were going to retire um, and then you're back again and you, you can't give up motorsport, can you? No, like you say, uh, I, I retired from, from uh, WRC a few years ago and finally uh, I jumped in again uh, having uh, two years with Hyundai. Um, now I'm doing Dakar. Uh, I think that's a discipline that I, I enjoy and it's a great objective to try to, to win it. So I will continue at the moment. I, it's still my passion. I, I enjoy to drive and uh, I enjoy to be here too. So it's, uh, I'm still, uh, it, it, it's still my job to do motorsport and uh, I have as much pleasure as I had in the past. So I continue. As Jochen Mas I was talking to earlier, and he made the distinction between the drivers that, that, that raced for the money and the drivers that raced because they loved racing. There's a difference between loving it and living in it. And you're certainly one of the guys that just loves doing it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, I did it uh, as a passion from the start. Uh, I was lucky to, to earn money and to, to do my career in it and to be able to, to live from my passion. Uh, and at now it's still my passion and uh, I'm still in the, in the official teams and so I, I enjoy it a lot. Well, I'm with uh, Terry Grant who's got a, an extraordinary fleet of cars lined up here this year for uh, the stunts. Some say you're a legend, others say you're a madman, but you yeah. do some extraordinary things here. I'm probably a bit of both, maybe, <laughs> or a bit of neither. Yeah, you know, Goodwood Festival of Speed for me has been very good over the years, and I've been very good for the, the Festival of Speed. It's, yes. I feel like part of the family now. Um, and yeah, I like to, to come every year with something fresh, new, slightly different. So yes, looking forward, the sun's out at last, which helps immensely. But yeah, you're right. We got a, a great fleet of cars. We have the, my little legend stunt car, which I always bring because yes. I can use it anywhere on the, the track. That's the main thing, even yeah, on the, so the skinny parts. Yeah. So that's the reason for always bringing that car. And it's so versatile, I can do a lot with that. But then I've got the, the fleet of Jaguars. I've got the new F-Pace for two-wheeling. So uh, I done a, a quick run yesterday, got just past the flint wall uh, and then run out of puff on me not the car <laughs> so put it down but you know i'm feeding myself into the weekend so i'll have um lee bowers my, my partner in crime on the bike joining me again this year he'll be on the two-wheeling come out stand on the side probably pop a headstand in front of the house or something silly like that and then we'll we'll do our normal stuff the pair of us him riding the bike and me driving my other cars which is um We've got the XC, which is a V6 model manual, which is fully converted for me. And then a brand new F-Type SVR as well this year. It's a 750 horsepower beast of a machine. Again, a manual gearbox, originally built by um, Dave Richards ProDrive. All right. So uh, it's a great car. And standing behind me, we've got my, uh, my Aston Martin Vantage stunt car as well, which I'll be using this morning. I mean, the, the manufacturers really like to get involved, don't they? I mean, I don't... I don't think you have to go and beg too hard. They realise the value of what you're doing in front of a crowd this uh, Absolutely that, you know. We're a great advert 
as long as you look at it as an advert for entertainment, not for advertising that actually you can put a very expensive car sideways and skid it and drive it onto, you know, that's not what we're trying to obviously promote. Sure. And that, that was always a big thing with the manufacturers. They were scared that we were, my style of driving would encourage people to, to do stuff stupid. But actually it's not, it's way beyond that. It's, a, it's about performing and putting a show on and they've realized actually the value in it. So um, yeah, so that's why we do what we do with the cars that we use. Formula One driver John Watson reunited with an old friend. You've not sat in this car for a very long time, I gather. The last time I sat on Penske PC4 would have been at the Japanese Grand Prix 1976, which was a notable race for a lot of reasons. I could go into them, but probably it'd take too long. So it's a big celebration for Roger Penske here with all the achievements that he's had 50 years. And uh, so this car, which is, lives, I think, in North America, was brought in and I was kindly asked would I like to take it up the hill. So I haven't been in a single seater, I, I can't remember the last time. I haven't driven this car since 76. I haven't been up the hill here at Goodwood since I was a boy. So it's a little bit of an adventure. Well, that's, that's what motorsport is. It's all about a series of adventures uh, and hopefully you will enjoy it. it it's, uh, I'm sure, a very different feel to you now than it was in 76. I think unfortunately if you're not competing or driving on a regular basis all the things that were second nature to you you have to sort of it's like opening Pandora's box you've got to do it bit by bit by bit and undoubtedly when I go up the hill on the first run it will be somewhat say slow ponderous cautious until I get a sense and a feel it's, it's the feelings that you get through your hands your feet through your entire body that then allows you to then develop and explore more of what the car can do. So that's hopefully what will happen over the next three days. I, I notice you're also wearing a hands. I guess it's the first time you've had to wear a hands device. I have. I did some previous driving in the, in the, in the 20s where I wore a hands device. Um, it's mandatory these days and I think probably it's a very good thing too. What's, what's your view of the the roll hoops of uh, modern F1 cars and visibility. I mean, you, you drove for many years without them. Well, I think uh, the modern ones are clearly vastly superior to the ones that we had in the 70s. But then if you look at a Formula One car of the 70s and a contemporary Formula One car, they're just different worlds, different cars. You, you can't even begin to think how I look back in the 70s and did I race this car? and you stand and look at a modern whatever it might be here this weekend. Part of anything else, they're, they're much smaller. I mean, this is tiny compared to a modern Formula One car. It also is considerably lighter. Uh, so the differences are just like chalk and cheese. Enjoy your, your weekend up and down the hill. Uh, I haven't seen you here for a few years, and I know you've, you've enjoyed coming here as a, as a fan and as a driver. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I hope the remaining days stay as gorgeous as today is. <laughs> That's what I thought. Fingers crossed. Well, I'm in the paddock with Marino Franchitti, who um, lost a little hair since I saw you last, Marino. No, no, but I, <laughs> I probably had a hat on. <laughs> 
I watched last night your the first episode of your new series. Three men, four wheels. That's Three men, four wheels. Yeah. I'm very impressed. I really enjoyed it. It it's a different slant on it. It's a very very much a fan slant. You know, nobody seems to be trying to be grand. Everybody's just enjoying it. Well, that's the thing. It's not about. It's making the cars accessible, and it's sharing what we all love about cars. It, it's not just about how expensive they are or what they did. It's it's the people that that were involved, and it's just myself, my my friends uh, Andy J and Drew Pritchard together. Nothing scripted. It's just us having fun, and even with the driving the cars, I'm driving cars with weird, you know, shift patterns, center throttles. And we film all of it, so you see me learning to drive the car. Because a lot of people like to look, hey, look how polished I am. I, I don't know how to do these, drive these old cars, so I'm learning as well. As you go. And as you go, and we want to take people on that journey with us. And it's fun. It was fun to make. Brilliant. Well, I, I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. Enjoy your weekend. What are you driving imminently? Uh, my wife's just about to head up the hill in the, the 250 GTO, and then I'm out in the BT44 uh, Brabham, right. which is you know pretty special this weekend after. Um, the loss of Carlos Reutemann, because this is a car that he raced in 75. Sure. And then uh, with Singer and our DLS, you know, our design lightweight study in the supercar. Right, so, right. so busy enough. Busy weekend. Yeah. Good. Thanks Lovely to see you. Time. Enjoy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, there we are. We've just witnessed a, a new F1 craze here this year. Donuts in the collecting area. If you're the last car to go, there's just enough room to do it, but to do two 360s and be perfectly lined up to get out of the collecting area exit is impressive forethought. Congratulations to Mercedes. I'm not sure who was actually in the car, but clearly he had a lot of confidence to do that in what is a very, very limited space. Impressive. Next year, they'll all be doing it. Well, I'm in the Bonhams auction. They are due to start in oh, about 15 or 20 minutes. I've been very lucky to uh, see many of these auctions since 93 and to look at many spectacular cars. I'm with Paul Darville, who is uh, going to talk us through two very important race cars that are here this year. The Ferrari Dino in front of us and the Maserati, which will come up shortly. Both of them very, very iconic race cars. Absolutely, but you know, most iconic cars of their era, uh, and now great entries to some of the most exciting events that you can you can do around the world. You, you, it, effectively, you're buying your way into that 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 world because these will be invited anywhere. They're so rare. Tell us a bit about the the Dino. The Dino uh, is known as Chassis 11. Uh, the car actually has quite a complicated history. The original Chassis 11 was destroyed, in actual fact. So this car is an amalgam of uh, period components and more recent components. And it, that makes it, to me, actually the perfect car to take historic racing. You've got here a car with an identity, with the same soul as the original car, um, but without the worry of damaging, of course, uh, something that's uh, irreplaceable. Exactly, exactly. The Maserati, found in Argentina. Let's go and have a look at that. Like many of these cars, this car made its way to South America after a racing career in Europe. It raced out there as well and was discovered in the 1980s in Argentina. It comes with actually some very nice period uh, paperwork dating back right to the beginning of the car's life. Again, a lot of the car has been replaced because it was uh, found in a very, very dilapidated state. But actually, there's only, I think we were working last night, six or so of these cars that are left that you can say have original identities. And so it's a fascinating opportunity to enter into a world. Maserati is, I suppose, a little bit less well-known than Alfa Romeo's of the period. 
but a really really impressive race car in period and, and now you know, the perfect entry for Grand Prix historique in Monaco for example. Any sort of famous drivers associated with this? I know with Maserati generally, but with this particular car? Uh, yes, I think they, they did have some famous drivers in period. A lot of its race history was in South America, so probably not sure. only household names. Um, but, uh, but yes, it certainly did have some, some notable names associated with it at the time. It was a hugely uh, influential place to go racing in the late 40s, early 50s and so on. Absolutely, and I think a, a long motorsport heritage actually in South America. It's, uh, it's funny, we're often asked about new markets and where our buyers are coming from, and Argentina is a, is a perennial for us. There are regular uh, buyers from that region who, who still have motoring in their blood, let's say. <laughs> well put. All right, I'll put you on the spot now. Give me some numbers. What sort of numbers are you expecting for, for the two cars? The Maserati? The Maserati, we've estimated here at 900,000 to just over the million. Um, and, and I think it deserves to sell certainly within that range. Um, it's, uh, there aren't many cars that you can buy with that sort of provenance and with that, you know, that level of access to events at that price point. That price. No, uh, I think that's, it's, uh, it's, it's in many ways, I, I forget, in this business we get a bit desensitised. I was about to say it's an affordable entry to motor racing. Uh, it's not an affordable entry to motor racing. But it is an access to some very exciting things and, uh, and I think a historically interesting car as well. And, and the Ferrari? The Ferrari, we're actually in a similar sort of range. Yeah. So it's quite nice to see sort of the pre-war and the post-war comparison. Um, and, and so, yeah, within the same sort of range. And again, if that was a very, very original example, of course, you'd be talking multiples of that particular estimate on the car. But you are getting the same sensation. It's an identity that's been attached to the car. The story is well recorded. We know what it is and where it's come from um, and, uh, and, and I think actually a very interesting car on that, on that basis. I mean the, the, the headline numbers car possibly is literally just in front of us is the, the Aston Martin because of its very famous owners. Absolutely, I think you know, celebrity provenance is always difficult to quantify, it's one of those things actually where an auction is, is a brilliant way of testing it but uh, for me that is a very glamorous backstory. Wonderful motor car. It's got that right combination. I think sometimes a celebrity owner with a very uninteresting car, it doesn't work. You've got here the, the, the fusion of a great period history, uh, a great celebrity ownership, lots of period photographs, and actually a very desirable car as well. So it's, a, it's, it's the right mix of ingredients. So originally bought from you by Peter Sellers, by Peter Sellers. and then sold a little later to, because Peter Sellers collected all sorts of cars, uh, sold to his very good friend Tony Armstrong Jones. Exactly, exactly. And, and, uh, and sold directly as I understand it. Yes. So they were friends, it was a private transaction uh, and Armstrong Jones kept it a very long time. Um, and uh, actually I was underneath the car and some of the modifications he made to the car to um, reduce heat soak into the cabin are still there. He fitted aluminium panels underneath the, uh, underneath the driver's um, footwell and if you go under the car, they're still in there. So that car's never been fully restored. <laughs> Much as you tempt me, I don't think I'm going to shimmy under the car today. And I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that you did, but then in the line of duty. Yeah, exactly, in the line of duty. I mean, you know, doing appraisals on cars like this is something we, we try and do our best. We're in an auction room. So, uh, yes, if you come three days before an auction, you will find me in overalls underneath the cars, trying my best to, uh, to, uh, to work out what's going on under there. Good stuff. Well, well done. Uh, I, I've no doubt that'll fetch a big number. Guess on that. I think that will probably be around the, let's say, 950, 1 million uh, sort of level, I would say. So, um, but in terms of its provenance, probably the headline car of the day. Yeah, I think probably the headline car of the day. The, the, the Alpha is particularly interesting as well, the car behind us. I, I would flag that. I think that's, 
maybe a car that doesn't have a, a very wide recognition. Um, but that's a very significant racing car, full stop, and a very significant car in racing history for Alfa Romeo. That's a car that finished fourth at Le Mans, pretty much the last time that Alfa Romeo fielded their own racing team, actually. Very, very interesting car. Um, um, one of the great uh, well-known Italian racers, Nino Vaccarella. Yeah, exactly. This, this is a fantastic combination, again, of a, the end of an era a little bit for Alfa Romeo, but a, but a glorious last hurrah for their endurance racing. Uh, and, and for this, you're looking at 2 million-ish? Exactly. So we've estimated this at 1.8 to 2.2. Um, and I, I think that is, is historically probably the most interesting car here from a pure motoring perspective. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's that era motorsport does speak to me, so maybe I'm a little bit biased. But um, it's, uh, that's an exciting car for me. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. You've got to go, and uh, you've got an auction to host. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for much. coming. What should we say for the 26B? I'll open interest coming in, telephones coming in, the United States, the UK, as you can imagine, and interest with me at £500,000 I'm bid, at 500000 any more now, 500000 550 thank you, at 550 well there's lots of you on it, at 550 any more bids, 600 I have, at 600 at 600 on the telephone, any more bids, 650000 now, at 650 700000 now, there's four of you on it, there's four of you on it, any more bids, at 700,000, at 700,000. 750 now I've taken, at 750 on the telephones. Thank you, Mark. 780, you want? 780 I have, at 780,000. Against you now, Mark. 800 I have now, 800 with you, Mark, at 800,000. For the Maserati, at 800,000. Are we up 850 online bid at 850,000? Online bid at 850. Fair warning to you all at 850. Selling all the way, the Maserati 26B and sold 850, 5229. Well done, congratulations. Sitting outside uh, in the garden outside the house with Derek Bell, who's a local hero, of course, multiple world champion, multiple Le Mans winner, and a man who I've just discovered has been stranded in, uh, in America, out, out in the outback, having been very successfully racing over there, um, and got stuck there by uh, COVID, beaten by COVID. You know, at least it wasn't taken by COVID, I was beaten by it, but no, I was out there, we often spent you know, Christmas in, in Florida, and I had my last race with Justin at Daytona at the end of November, and then uh, I stayed over for Christmas as usual, because he, my son Justin lives out there, and uh, we, we had a, a home there, and a um, place to go for a couple of months to get away from the winter, and of course then COVID struck. And it's basically in mid-February, and that was it. We never came home till last weekend. Yeah, I'm just calculating. That would be your third Daytona 24-hour win, no, albeit no, I'd had three. You'd had three. 86, 87, and 89. We won, and then with that one of the cars I won with, uh, the team ran it again. Now somebody else had bought it, and uh, wanted me to drive with him in the classic, which is a 20, 24-hour classic. On the same track, we were still doing 210 miles an hour on off the banking and that sort of thing. So it's bloody fast, and it was just great to drive with Justin and sort of really have my final race with my son. 
So, um, and it was because there are only actually six hours of racing out of the 24 because there's different groups like there are at Le Mans, different eras. If that is your last race, nice to go out on a, on a win. Yeah, well, it was. And in fact, it sort of made sure I didn't race anymore because I knew I had to think about stopping <clears throat> simply because I'm so old. But I still enjoyed it. But it was nice to sort of have to stop and not be invited because if I'd stayed if we carried on as we were somebody would have said come and do Le Mans Classic last year or come and do Sebring Vintage or something and I'd have done some more but um, so, so it's a nice way to sort of park the body really so I'm guessing you're not driving anything this weekend no, or no, you, yeah. <laughs> why, why did I suspect that you were well, going to give me that answer um, as much as they're nice people to sit with I wouldn't come all the way from Pagham to sit having coffee with a thousand people I didn't know so it's, uh, you know what I mean, but um, it's, uh, I just love it, it's home isn't it, and I love coming here and talking to people and seeing the cars, and I'm dr I was due to drive a Porsche, similar to, you know, when I raced, a Porsche 917, but unfortunately um, Porsche got nervous because they can't get the engineers back into uh, Germany after the race, so the cars are sitting there, but no, they're not here. This, this would possibly be why Jochen right. couldn't find that car either. Car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, but I'm also I got involved with a car called McCurtry Automotive, and we they young kids, young lads, they're in their thirties, but basically they went to the same school that I went in Worcestershire, and then they went to Bath University and got all their electronic degrees and things or whatever, and um, they approached me a year and a half ago. Would I get involved with an electric project? And to be honest, I'm not wild about electric cars. I love smelling it. Or exhaust fumes and hearing 16, you know, 16 cylinders scream away. Yeah, that's right. But nonetheless, to see the, you know, to see the development and see these guys working at the future to try and help save the planet, if that's the right way to put it, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And I've been with working with them, sort of, off, you know, by Zoom for some months. Not that I could offer much assistance, but then, you know, I took the, we took the car out. It was finished finished what three weeks ago and it's got obviously electric motor beautiful car it's a ama an amazing it's looking machine yeah but it obviously the, the the and the motor is astounding i drove it in in wales monday it's so much power the only thing is we can't quite get the car handling yet but the, the reason we can't get it handling yet is because we haven't had time and uh you know it's a, it's another program to get the car the chassis working and the young man that's with me is the british hill climb champion and he's not finding it that good and I know that if he doesn't I'm going to hate it but I have driven it and I actually enjoyed a lot of I mean I enjoyed the power and the actual fact of what they've done but um, it's just not riding the bumps very well at the moment and there's a lot of bumps here at least if there weren't there seems to be in that so I'm running it at 4.30 and I'll run it again tomorrow morning and then I'll run it on Sunday afternoon at least you know your way up and down the hill now. I do actually really I just hope the car doesn't mind following the way I'm pointing it Motor Talk, a first take media production.